Welcome to the Digital Transformationists podcast. On today's very special bonus episode, we'll get to know our co-host, G-Love. We'll talk about the future of technology, holograms, music's ability to transport and connect us, how live music looks different this year, favorite books and inspiration, and how saying yes leads to big dreams, and how it led to this unexpected connection in the first place. Garrett, welcome to the podcast. Actually, should I ask? I should probably ask. Garrett or G-Love, what do you like to go by for these kinds of things? Well, it depends if you're calling me for dinner or not. Oh, I'm calling you for yeah, dinner. Uh, you could call you could call me Garrett. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Garrett. Uh, stoked to have you on. You know, we've been uh, talking about doing this for a little bit. Um, I think there's some some stories we can share about how we connected, uh, perhaps. Um, but you know, for this episode, we want to introduce and properly introduce you, uh, share a little bit of the story and why we're doing this podcast. Um, you know, there's. And I've got 21 years experience in technology and business, and you got, I guess, 28 plus years as a professional musician and music. So people may be wondering, like, why, why are these two guys getting together uh, to, to host and co-host a podcast? Um, you know, there's been we've seen a lot in the form of di- the digital transformation and the digital transformation is this application of technology to our day to day lives, whether it's work or, you know, our, our personal lives. Um, and we've seen technology disrupt you know, the music industry. So I think there's a lot of perspective that you can bring to that. Um, to that point, you know, maybe you can share some stories of how, you know, the, the digital world is, has changed music, right? And how it's affected you. So I hope you learn a little bit about that. <laughs> but why don't you also maybe share like, you know, how, how we met. Okay. Um, well, we met on a, on a Zoom party, right? Or- well, Instagram before that, okay. um, I was following you on Instagram and you had, uh, you, you'd shared out, uh, you're doing these live streams and then that's how we actually got to really talk. Okay. I was on that live stream. Oh, yeah. oh you, Zoom. D- you DM'd me. I DM'd you. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, you know, just kind of, you know, fast forwarding, uh, to current <laughs> a state of events. Uh, yeah, we just kind of, um, every, all the analog parts of the music, industry definitely shut down on march 12th 2020 when we were in santa barbara california and right before loading at the venue there uh we were told okay tonight's the last show everyone's going home and that was kind of across the board uh probably everywhere around the world i imagine uh most bands went home that thursday or that friday and we've been home since then so fast forward to why christian was dming me on instagram uh, was to get in touch because we got home and started just kind of adjusting and uh, what can we do now? Because, you know, we obviously can't... Uh, when when musicians say, you know, we need... Uh, when, when you go to a gig and, and you hear musicians say, you know, without you, there be no us. You know, that's just kind of a, something that the musicians always say. And, I mean, whether you mean it or not, I mean, you always mean it, but you really realize now that it's absolutely true because, of course, without... Uh, being able to gather there, there's no, uh, there's no gig. <laughs> we, so we were home and, and kind of doing a lot of, started doing a lot of live streaming. So that's how Christian and I linked up. <laughs> uh, we say the same thing in our company. We are nothing without our customer. Right. Uh, we don't exist without our customer. And over the years, you know, uh, I imagine your customer effectively, your, your fans have changed. Uh, have you kept up with the change? You know, like back, back w- uh, in your first album that was released way back in the nineties, it was a it was a CD ROM, right? You know, it was a different hustle, a different game. I imagine. Yeah, well, when we first dropped our first record, there was no CD ROM yet. <laughs> okay, they were on tapes. Yeah, there was cassette tapes, vinyl, and uh, there was CD. There were CDs. Uh, so so sure. that so and and I I remember um, kind of famously in my own little mini circle, I said, look, if if I was never a guy to really embrace a lot of new technology. Um, and, and I said famously to one of my rapping partners, Jasper, I said, man, if you ever catch me owning a CD player, then you could keep it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was never like into C- CDs. And um, and it's interesting how now CDs are kind of getting phased out. I mean, we still produce CDs very minimally, but no one buys them. Most cars don't 
uh, have a CD player mm -hmm. if you buy a new car. Most mm -hmm. new computers don't have a CD player, so they're already mm -hmm. a thing of the past. And because of the the um, the aesthetic feel of them, I don't see them ever being as cool as, as a vinyl or even a cassette, and certainly not an eight track. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But so, you know, the, the technology has evolved and that's influenced distribution. It's influenced perhaps how, how you as a musician, as a businessman, promote yourself, right? Sure. I mean, I imagine you used to record crap tons of tapes and it took forever to record the tapes. You can then send them out to either agents or managers where you're trying to get lined up with those folks or even just trying to get gigs. Uh, I imagine that the, the pace at which we can distribute MP3s is much, much faster, right? That's part of this whole digital transformation that we've been talking about. Um, but I guess that the hustle changes, right? Now it's about engaging your audience in these various social platforms like you did on Instagram. And that's how I engaged with you. Um, you know, I'm curious how far you see that going. You know, like, is there some other new level kind of thing that we're not thinking about or, you know, and then to that end or to an extent, uh, musicians used to busk on street corners. Now I'm seeing musicians busking online right. on Instagram. Yeah, including you know? me. Right, um, right. Yeah, that was that's such a trip. I, I, you know, I finally made that correlation after doing a bunch of the live streams, and you do the live streams, and you're posting your Venmo and your PayPal just to kind of, you know, and we were we were doing a format where we were donating half of whatever tips we got to a, a music venue, their staff, and and that were that were laid off as well, uh, and then you know. I would say, and the other half's like you know to keep pay for the Comcast bill, and, you know keep the lights on around here at our at our house because, you know, it's it's another thing is when you become like a successful musician, it's a little weird to like be like oh you know will you tip me you know like but um, right. again there there is a reason that we tour other than the love of music it is our job so now that that's taken away like wow we got to find an income source so blah 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 right. blah but um yeah so where do I so it is funny like you know 28 years later and whatever kind of accolades i've made or not made i'm back on the uh virtual street corner because that that's in truth how myself and and my band were all street performers uh at the beginning sure. of our career and that's and proudly that's how i started my career so it's it, it is interesting to kind of go back to that tip-based thing at least this spring we were doing that um yeah but like you know, you ask like where, where do I what do I see the next thing going? It's funny. I was just driving back from um, an early morning surf that was just ended up watching the fog roll in and, and not paddling out with the great white sharks. But I was driving back and I was thinking about this because I was thinking about Instagram still seems like a super valid um, thing. Personally, I don't even like go on Facebook anymore, right? Um, and I was just wondering to myself, like kind of daydreaming, um, what what is next? You know, is is Instagram mm -hmm. gonna be the end? Because we all thought that MySpace mm -hmm. was the jam, right? And and we <laughs> and we thought that Facebook. I thought that Facebook was the jam, and and like I would never ever go on Facebook. Uh, and so I'm wondering about that. So when you just popped in and question, what do you think is next? Well, of course, there's going to be something next. And eventually, oh, yeah. uh, Instagram will be like, oh, yeah, man, Christian, remember when we used to go on Instagram back in the uh, 2020? <laughs> remember that? Yeah. You want to hear my idea, man? I think there's this is my invention if I was a scientist. And I, it would be called the swarm, right? And it's basically nanotechnology that would be you'd, everyone's going to have like an individual swarm. It kind of flies around you. Well, what does it do? It gets you dressed in the morning. It showers and shaves you. It brushes your teeth. It, if you have a cold or something, little nanobots go in and make your body better. It it can, um, if you're out surfing, it's right around you so that it's looking out for a great white shark. If you're, uh, you know, uh, and then if you get a call, if Christian wants to talk to me, the swarm will come up and it'll make his shape of his hologram. I mean, it would be like this everything and then, you know, that so I think the the next step of what the next thing for musicians and stuff can be like some kind of virtual hologram thing like think about Star Wars and Princess Leia popping up but maybe full size that you know G you want to see G Love in your living room well damn all you have to do is I'm gonna actually be my hologram's gonna be in your living room and we can engage together and I think people are already talking about that yeah so you know the the MP3 forced musicians back out on the road right. 
uh, that became a, a big way of monetizing your music is actually going out, going back to festivals and, and just promoting your album and, and getting out there. Do you, um, and granted, like, you know, all of these things we're living today were all sci-fi, you know, in some cases, 10, 30 years ago, right? Sure. Um, you know, it doesn't seem that there will always be a replacement for live music though, right? I mean, we will, we will get back to that once we solve and figure out how to, how to get back together again. I hope, again, you know, there's certainly like, you know, to your point, you know, well, 30 years ago, no one would ever suspect that there would be, you know, a DJ standing up behind a booth with a marshmallow on his head playing, uh, you know, in front of, you know, 50,000 people are making a million dollars a show. You know what I mean? So, and right. so these, these are things that, that, so no, no, no future is certain, you know, certainly. So sure. Well, can you imagine, uh, living through COVID without the internet? Um, I mean, no, I guess not because, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty hooked to plugged into my phone, you know, and certainly, mm -hmm. Just to tell you the truth, the last, excuse me, the last two months, we have been back playing small social distance, mm -hmm. in-person mm -hmm. private shows, and we found a couple of venues where we can do that safe, you know, what seems safe outside for a small number of people, intimate gatherings. Um, so the internet doesn't seem as crucial, but yeah, f uh, rewind back to March and April, May and June, and that was our lifeline. And certainly, like a financial, uh, you know, lifeline, as as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll we'll see what we'll we'll see what happens next. One 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 thing I was talking with another musician friend of mine, uh, Will Daly, about was um, we were saying that um, you know how like craft beer is so localized right now, and and a lot of things right. are, are super localized right now, high quality you know, localized thing. And we were thinking, well, maybe that's another uh, development that could happen with music. It could be like, yo, you know, if you want to, I mean, she loves in, in Massachusetts and in New England, mm -hmm. you want to, that's where mm -hmm. he's playing. And, you know, uh, Michael Franti is playing in, in Bali and, um, you know, right. Gary Clark Jr. is down in, and if you want, that's his doing in shows in Austin. So mm -hmm. maybe that's, maybe that could be another development. I totally you know? agree. And I think I think we're finding that in other areas as well, right? As as the movement of people is becoming more limited, right? We keep, we can't go to Europe right now, right? And as we're perhaps not getting on airplanes, we're going to be more regionalized. Right. And I think uh, to that end, right, even just on a national level, if, especially if we're in a smaller country, right, like you're like you're describing. So whether it's entertainment or leisure, just any number of things, it seems like we're definitely more regionalized. Now, granted, we're trying to break that and head up to Colorado, but it's all road trips. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> so if it's how far you want to drive. Yeah, and. and you know, we've had a couple opportunities to maybe jump on a plane, but man, I, I just don't. And and I mean, I was I was in on a plane. You know, every it seemed like every 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 week I was flying somewhere. I mean, you know, yep. but I don't see. I don't see myself, go um, taking an Uber to Logan Airport anytime soon. <laughs> you know. But you know, digital technology and media has been changing. You know, DVD is is one of those that we we all experienced and has gone away. Uh, but I think you've got a, a, an interesting, fun story on DVDs and I guess the recording of a DVD. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say briefly, like we got signed to interesting time in the music business because we've seen every format of way you could put out music, right? And I'll just right. list them real quick. Great eight track, although ours didn't come out eight track, but cassette, vinyl, CD, right? CD-ROM. DVD, mini disc, Blu-ray, uh, ADAT, uh, and then you know VHS, Betamax, and then moving into the MP3. Okay, so that's I think that's about everything, right? Um, so anyhow, I'll never forget. So we had this photographer slash filmmaker who shot our first record cover was a kind of dear dear friend of mine, um, and his name was Kareem Eck. And um, he f captured a lot of footage of the band early on. And so we, a couple, you know, in the late 90s, we said, well, we want to do a band kind of, you know, documentary. So we did. He did an awesome job. And it was called Eyes Have Miles. And it had some unreleased 
early music videos and all this cool stuff. And it was an awesome piece. And so he said, well, okay, man, well, we're going to put this out. And I said, oh, this is amazing. So he said, well, look, there's a, there's a new technology I want to tell you about. And it's, it's called DVD. And, um, and it's going to take the place of the VHS. Well, so you should probably put this thing on VHS. I said, no, nah, I wouldn't do it just VHS. No, you should probably definitely do this on, on DVD and VHS. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's no one's going to have that. No one's going to have a DVD. What, what is that? Like, I don't have a DVD player. I'm going to play it, Kareem. Fuck that. <laughs> no, we're absolutely not doing that. And we didn't. And so to this day, I have probably in a storage storage unit, there's a box of VHS cassettes. The master thing is gone. Kareem and I had a falling out. The thing's not transferred to digital. And uh, yeah, it was never released on DVD. So that was really, that's, <laughs> the, I'm a really great person to have on the podcast of uh, digital, uh, you know, uh, disruptive technology because that sure that sure <laughs> shit disrupted me and um yeah so again these, these are the things always note to self always say yes to new technology especially if you don't right. understand it <laughs> there's the nugget we're looking for <laughs> awesome well cool let's uh take a quick break to talk about our sponsor workado workado is the operating system for today's fast-moving business Recognized as a leader by Gartner and Forrester, it is the only intelligent automation platform that enables both business and IT to integrate their apps and automate even the most mission-critical workflows without compromising security and governance. Workado is trusted by over 6,000 of the world's top brands and fastest-growing innovators. For more information, visit www.workado.com. So we've been talking about uh, Instagram and, and how we've connected and all that. And following you, uh, I saw that promo piece for that, uh, that fundraiser for the Noel Fam Family Foundation. So as we all know, uh, Bradley Noel, uh, he died heroin overdose uh, and famously, you know, a sublime, uh, the sublime founder and member and just an amazing uh, musician. Um, you, uh, when I heard the, I heard the promo piece, it was your cover of April 29th, 1992. So I shot you a, a note and you, you, you let me get a little preview. Ah. I'm so grateful for that because <laughs> Oh, yeah. The big leak, man. We found it. <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Uh, but it's such a great, it's such a great cover. Thank you. So uh, I was, I was hoping to learn from you a little bit more, like why that cover, you know, why now? Uh, and maybe just kind of shed some light on that. And of course, let, I mean, let's plug the house that Bradley built. It's a great album. It's got a great number of artists on there. Um, I fell in love with it and I've been downloading it and it, uh, I've getting, getting image uh, songs like one at a time. And then I also have the vinyl. Oh, cool. Vinyl finally came Thank in you. a few days ago. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, just kind of a brief history of us and Sublime. <laughs> I mean, I I've clearly remember seeing the video for probably Lovin' is what I got. You know, uh, come up online. Yeah, not on uh, not online <laughs> on MTV in the day uh, when it was still relevant um, and playing music and launching people's careers in a big way and saying, whoa, like. I immediately, because you think about the landscape musically, there was only there were only you know a couple like you know white dudes rapping and playing guitar and kind of doing the thing that like I was doing and Beck was doing and that was about it. And uh, mm -hmm. so the the Sublime record kind of crossed you know dropped uh, or hit the big time you know after we were already like a year in our career and I was like whoa these guys totally bit my style. <laughs> um, and I was like, damn, that's crazy. So then fast forward a couple years, um, and I was, it was also kind of like scary because, you know, the videos, he's like kind of like, you know, he's kind of like thuggish looking dudes, Cali dudes, and man, wow, who are these guys? You know, these don't want to come across these guys anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, you know, fast forward to, you know, it's just a tra one of the probably most tragic stories in rock and roll. Tragic in the sense that he never really knew how big and how much of a cultural impact he had on the world, you know. Right. And, and right. you know, so we could fast forward now to Sublime with Rome, which is basically the, the, the bass player and a whole new band mm -hmm. and a great new singer. Mm -hmm. They're filling huge amphitheaters, and that's basically a cover band, you know. So, um, 
Yep. So you be, and they're great. Not not taking anything away from them. Um, they're a wonderful, wonderful group of guys and amazing. They're crushing it. So, anyways, um, mm-hmm. when Bradley never got to realize what he did, and so then, right uh, after he died, I got called. Um, I'll never forget, man. We were driving through the South with John Hammond on his tour of the South, and Chris and I were in our rented Chevy Cavalier, and uh, and got to call on my flip Nokia phone saying, hey, man, um, just got a call from Sublime's manager, who's this guy, John Phillips, who's a wonderful connector, and he's and they want you to... Long Beach Dub All-Stars kind of left over from Sublime Camp are going to put mm-hmm. this awesome All-Star records out. Would you write a tune and be on the record? Well, I immediately started. I said, you know, fuck yeah. Started writing the song Dreaming, and it, I was kind of... I never met Bradley. Like I said, I wasn't a huge okay. fan at that time. I am now. Um, mm-hmm. And it was more like a competitive thing, but I was, of course, it was super sad, you know? And I, what mm-hmm. I did was I just tried to write this song Dreaming, and it was just kind of trying to put myself into what what were some of the dreams that motivated him? I don't know. Right. But that's what that's, that's that. what I okay. wrote the song about. Like, what were his dreams? What was he... What, was, what drove him, you know? That's why I wrote a song. And yeah, it didn't end up being on the record for whatever reason, but we did tour with those guys. And then, of course, since then, like we're super deep in the family that ended up, John Phillips ended up managed Slightly Stupid. We helped them and yep. were part of their breakthrough record and took them on tour. And, you know, our paths continue to cross. Uh, One of my favorites too. I mean, they're, yeah. they're amazing. And um, so anyways, um, that was kind of my thing with um with sublime and then then the pepper guys kind of another extended family on law records are putting out this record so and of course you know i was just honored to get to be a part of it and so years after bradley died i did connect in a big way with the records and um the the and and just like really realizing man like this guy was so heavy in every way like what a outstanding vocalist outstanding guitar player the, the, his writing is is you know unbelievable and just his ability to, like right. tap into culture and it's so real that what they're living and um of course i was 19 or no 18 i don't know the something mm-hmm. about the la riots and mm-hmm. when that happened i remember like my father sub- subscribed to time magazine and i clipped mm-hmm. that cup the you know the front cover off that and always had that in my room for years it's something about that riot was just such a stuck huge it was just a huge cultural event in her life you know and um so when i heard that riot song you know april 29 1992 i was whoa it was like wow like he really like encapsulated and they were there and they were you know now so that's and musically i i dug it so that's why i cut it and um it's interesting, you know, we cut it last year before any of the current um, social events with a lot of protesting and counter-protesting and Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement and a lot mm-hmm. of things that are happening in our culture right now. So that, to tell you the truth, like, um, it's it's kind of a weird song for a couple of different reasons, which i can happy to share, um, that to, to drop right now. But that's the thing, right? 30 years later, what's changed? It took technology to capture what has always been happening, right? I mean, that's what got everybody, you know, up in arms about Floyd. Like we all should be like it was captured for all of us to see. Right. right? Just like Rodney King. That was a VHS videotape from a guy's window. Right. right. You know, but I think it, like, it brought that to surface. And now we have to record, you know, we have to reckon with that's it. That's right. It was a reckoning of sorts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and and. The, the lyric in the song is interesting because, um, and there's one lyric in the song that, um, I, especially now, I'm not really comfortable singing. And it's mm. the lyric that goes, and um, it's a lyric that says, um, you know, but if they, they said it was for the black man, they said it was for the Mexican and not for the white man. But if you were out in the streets, it wasn't about Rodney King. It was about this fucked up situation and these fucked up police. And um, and that's 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 kind of a tough 
lyric right now for you know obvious the obvious reasons. It, mm-hmm. it, it was about it was about black people and it was about Mexican people, but it was also about just poor people and middle class people and anyone right. trying to come up. Marginalized. Anybody anyone marginalized. Anyone marginalized. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Um, and that's, I guess that's a big problem in our culture right now. Like a lot of people just feel marginalized on everybody. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people feel marginalized, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the impacts of COVID are being most felt by the marginalized brown and black folks and folks that uh, are, are just, you know, are just in a bad spot yeah. and have not had the opportunities perhaps that a lot of us have. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great, it's a great cover. I was blown away by it. It's one of my, definitely one of my top favorites in on that album. Thank you. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful song and, and that's like a really, you know, uh, just that's, that's the ability I think Bradley has as a writer. Like it was like really uh, kind of descriptive and just like mm-hmm. real and like, you know, like the big hit, like I got a Dalmatian, like everyone knew exactly who right. he was and what he was talking about. And that's why it's, yeah. Been a huge connect, and then if you, if you didn't live through that stuff like I didn't, then you you, it's just like anything else that's real. You're like, wow, that's that's like intriguing to to wonder what these guys were all about. Yeah, it, he was so open about where he was. I mean, like he he was very clear that he he was very clear about his addiction, and that he wanted to fight it and he wanted to quit it, but just couldn't, you know. And I think that was also I think helpful for a lot of folks, and I'm sure. You know, a lot of people carry that that are, you know, fighting that kind of struggle. You know. So I'm curious, uh, tell us, I know you've got um, G Love and the Juice. What are the things you're working on? Uh, yeah, man. Um, kind of just, just kind of some silver lining from the the whole uh, the COVID crisis and just being off the mm-hmm. road. And, and like we were talking about being regionalized. Well, just and kind of full circle with the Sublime camp. Um the horn, one of the horn players from Slightly Stupid, Daniel De La Cruz, aka De La, um, mm-hmm. he hit me up and said, "Would you?" We start first kind of shows people talk about doing these drive-in shows at drive-in movie right. theaters. There happens to be a lot up here in New England of uh, the remaining yep. ones. So the Abbott brothers did a big one at Daytona or something. Oh, really? And apparently, yeah, like it was massive. Wow. Um, so they still managed to socially distance, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so we. Uh, yeah, so he said, do you want to do a G-Love and Friends at the Mesquamacate, Rhode Island drive-in? Yeah, sure. So we did that, and um, that just has become like a new unit called G-Love and the Juice. Mm-hmm. The Juice is the name of my new mm-hmm. record. And it's been awesome, man. It's like a six-piece band, just some of the great, uh, some some just wonderful musicians I know up here in New England. So, uh, you know, just kind of continuously trying to push forward and figure yeah. out awesome new ways to make music so um you know one of the things that's uh, a big i don't know kind of takeaway topic i guess if you will in the technology and business community at large is the importance of agility and resilience and it's been inspiring to see the the music industry the music community folks like yourself just you know find a way to be resilient and agile and, and pivot and move and you know bob and weave you know, we've been doing these live stream shows, you know, folks like you. We did one recently with the Greyhounds and uh, one of the guys in that group, you know, just kind of talked about that and, and the, the need to just kind of bend and move. But he also talked about this like new renaissance that he expects to see because a lot of artists aren't traveling and not burning a lot of cycles on road and airports and all that and are spending more time collaborating, doing really cool, unique things. And it's all being facilitated largely you know, either regionalized because you've got people that you know in an area, but otherwise online. Um, and I know that you've been doing music lessons and you just do a lot of stuff online. Um, what are, what are the opportunities are there you think for, for folks? Well, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird time. Cause it's another thing I think about too. It's like, you know, when this all shakes out or whatever it shakes out to, like, what do you want to have done by then? Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of different ways to approach it and you know we've just kind of gone into survival mode thinking like we have to work you know we like anybody else we have you know payments and you know dreams and aspirations that revolve Mm -hmm. around you know finances uh and and working to make money right um so 
we've gone into like, let's try to mitigate, you know, uh, hemorrhaging, <laughs> you know, your savings. Right. Um, so right. we've been doing a lot of stuff like treading water, like, and, and I say that on a, on a financial side, like it's been a huge time of connectivity. Like you said, I've been doing guitar lessons. You know, I was doing 12, like 12 a week. We, Christian and I, we, we did one. We did a harmonica mm -hmm. lesson. That was fun. It was fun. And, and, um, it's an example of a connection that's really developed into something really cool. Um, and you know, a lot of my lessons were, like I said, really connective time, but I'm not gonna lie to you. It's, it's like, it's like it's spending an hour on zoom as many people that maybe listen to this know that that can be kind of, uh, draining in a, in a new kind of way. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I was doing songwriting sessions as well with some of my students and I wrote a lot of songs. Uh, well, um, and so it's been a different kind of creative thing, but there, it's also been like a thing like, wow, like I feel like I haven't just going to be honest with you. Like I just put out a, a new record. It's called G Love the Juice. And we were right in the middle of our kind of yeah. world tour. We were a, a month and a half into it. And this was going to be right. a big year for me if things went according to plan, um, yep. hopefully with that record. And so uh, at least we're going to try. So now, so it's been kind of hard, like, I just emptied my cup essentially. So, and I, mm -hmm. I, long story short, I haven't even written really one song just like by myself, like sitting down with my guitar and what's in my head. I've only done collaborative writing and, and I've written some great songs to other people, but um, I haven't just been ready. I've not been in that writing thing because I've been in hustle mode and just a different type of hustle. So where does it all shake out? I don't know, but like, and what's next? Like I, like I said, I get this killer new band, but are we gonna? We're right now. We're just playing like a super cool set of like some old stuff, some new stuff, some covers, mm -hmm. and the music itself is taking this really cool direction. But there's no new material that we're writing as a band, plan to record a record and uh, come out of this with like a new body of work. So I, I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. So a lot of a lot of the stuff happening, even though it is connective, it feels like treading water waiting to see sure. how this thing shakes out. Cause certainly sure. it's not like I've been playing locally. I've been playing the local brew pub for a hundred people and we've sold out eight shows. Well, that's really oh, great, but it's eight, that's 800 or it's 128 it's people a, a night. It's, it's, it's sold out every tour, time, right. but it's, it's, I played for less than a thousand people. You know, it's not like a huge right. victory. It's great, right. but I should be selling out yeah. that. And I am. And, and so th this is all just like treading water stuff. To see what mm -hmm. the you know the new normal is going to be, and, and I don't know what that's going to yeah. be. I don't know. So you, you mentioned you mentioned a new hustle, and uh, when I caught up with Mike uh, a few times, we, we we talked about your hustle, um, and I think that's something that you and I share. Um, hustle to me is just, I mean, granted, talent matters and all these things matter, but I've seen so many folks that are super smart, super talented that don't have hustle and don't do anything with that talent. Um, talk to us a little about hustle. Yeah, I mean, it's if if you were to ask me like, hey, gee, you know, like, uh, you know, I got a, my friend's an upcoming musician. Do you have some advice? I said, well, I would say the same thing. There's two things. Originality is everything. Mm. And work ethic, a.k.a. the hustle, right? Because originality without work ethic is just like you just said, is nothing. Because everyone has the ability to come up with a great idea, but there's... Then you yeah. If it is leave your house. Yeah. Then then <laughs> it starts getting weeded out with the people that can make that. Like like I have a great idea about the swarm, but mm -hmm. that's kind of unattainable because I'm not like an MIT scientist. I'm a G love. You know? <laughs> but like um, but yeah, the work ethic is everything because you have to have that dream and you have to you know grind and and you have to like grind. Yeah, put the hours in. And, and there's this book that I love. Um, uh, wait. Um, Ah, <laughs> it's totally escaping me. It's not the prophet, but it's the alchemist. No, the alchemist. The, the alchemist. The alchemist. Yeah, beautiful book. And the whole thing of it was there's a passage about like if if you truly focus on that idea and that dream that you have and put all of your energy into it, the world will bend its power into helping you achieve that. And I truly believe that that happened to me, you know, when, when I started my career, I don't know how else I'm sitting here right now, but, um, so, so there is that you have to have that focus and you have to like live it and breathe it and really put everything into, into that. 
Yeah. I think that's a, I think it's an important thing to share for audience, you know, folks that are maybe newer or, or I guess early on in their careers as well. You know, you just gotta, you gotta be willing to grind and put the, put the time in, pay the dues, um, you know, do the time, I guess, as they say as well. But, it, but, you know, with that level of commitment, build, you know, your experience, build who you are and, uh, and achieve the, you know, those goals that you set out, however lofty they might be. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's everything and it's great to have lofty ideas I, you know lofty dreams because that's because you know they, they, they are they are attainable like and, and the, the thing the, the thing the, the thing that happens to I mean a lot of people talk about this actually there was I saw on Arsenio Hall's Instagram he posted this clip of Eddie Murphy being on his show you know years and years and years ago and Eddie Murphy said it just great he's like because he Arsenio was like well what do you want to be when you grow up what, how he want, always wanted to be in showbiz and he put himself in a situation where there was no other option right uh there was no other option than right. to do show business and that's how he succeeded and eddie murphy said a lot of people kind of always have a backup plan and and that's kind of the thing that they end up doing so, so yeah yeah, kind of similar to that. One of our, uh, so Joanne Medic is our sales operations principal. She worked with Sol, uh, Cirque du Soleil and she was on a, on a tour with them for like 10 years. And there was some circus performers, uh, I forget the family out of Mexico, but they wouldn't work with a net because they had to feel that motivation that there was no option of failure. Right. And they operated this way for years and years and years and you know they're still alive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you get you, know, you better catch it. You, be, you better catch that thing when it comes. I mean, yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's um, that, that's 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 a severe <laughs> example. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, um, there there was I never really did have a a B. Well, I guess my B plan was to go was to 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 go to college. You know, I and I had okay. and I had given myself a time. For some reason, my two biggest influences were John Hammond and Bob Dylan. Well, I know why they were my influences, but first, they each recorded their uh, debut records, both self-titled, when they were 20 years old. And, and I became heavily involved into the dream of pursuing a musical career about that time when I was like 17. So I had three years to like, three years, and that's yeah. what it was. To me, it was like, well, if, if I don't, you know, make my first record by the time I'm 20, then obviously that's, that was it. And I did, you know, and that's the thing about those goals, right? You throw it out in the universe, you tell people, and then, and then you hold yourself accountable to it because of that. Right. And, um, and it's just baby steps. Like it's just grind and, and baby steps because it's not just like, it's just going to happen overnight. Like anything again, (laughs) it all comes back to like, you know, the one other thing I will say about it was, Money, like I, you've heard, I think I've talked about finances a couple times during this mm-hmm. this discussion, but like that was never part of the um, equation for me. Um, mm. It was never about money. It was purely about not having a job. <laughs> right. No, but it was purely about like not having a nine to five. Not, but yeah. but not even that. I mean, I'm just saying that jokingly. But it was purely about like trying to make music for a living. That's what I needed to do. And for me, it was against going into a land where I knew I was not going to make any money, right? I was going to be a street Mm -hmm. musician. Mm -hmm. And I, so it's interesting now when I see when, because the music industry was light years away because it was Mm -hmm. analog, because there was no YouTube, there was no email, there was no MP3 to send. Everything was like, you had to send a letter to New York. You couldn't send a letter to an A&R guy at a record label unless you were represented by a manager or a music attorney. Well, how do you find one of those guys? There's no like, there's no like in. So, and there was no concept of, of I can put out my own record on Spotify or I can have my own YouTube channel. I can be the next Taylor Swift. And there was, there was not any type of like incentive to be like a, a rock star, think that you can make money. No, it was just like right. it was underground, and and it was cool. Nowadays, kids are like writing songs. I think with this notion that like, 
oh, well, they know Taylor Swift makes a lot of money off because she writes her own songs. Like, this was never part of the equation. I wrote songs because I was a teenage kid, like, wondering what was going on in my head, you know, and in my right, emotions. And right. that's what I wrote. That's It was a really knee-jerk reaction to life. And I try yeah. to still write like that, like a pure artistry place and not be so, worried about the finances. Yeah. So part of your trajectory very early on was you're a businessman at a, at a very young age. A lot of people, perhaps, and maybe I'm speaking for others, but... I don't think people realize that there's a business behind any one individual band, uh, musician or band, right? Like there's an LLC behind it. Checks have to go somewhere. Like you're, you have a balance sheet. Like you, you got to do that really early on. Um, and I'm sure at a young age running your business effectively, you know, you may have made some mistakes. Um, I, I heard the, you and uh, Houseman, I think got together <laughs> and did an interview on Instagram together. You just kind of chatted and shared stories. Um, what were some of the hard lessons you learned early on you could share with the, the audience? Um, yeah, well, I mean, just for one thing, I was not, I think the biggest thing is like, like I said, the art, the art, the music, it was so pure to me mm-hmm. and our whole unit, um, especially early on. And, um, so it was always like the business side of it was like an infection, right. To like this, mm-hmm. your soul, right. And right, it took right. me years so and years out. to yeah. reconcile, like, music, business, music, business, music, business, music, business, right? Um, it took me years and years to reconcile how do you manage that, engage in the business, like, keep the, the thing happening and s- still remain pure in your art. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, an example early on was, it was a good story, was like, uh, we got the call from Rolling Stone, you know, Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, we're going to do a big shoot with G Love and Special Sauce. It's going to be at the legendary Crocodile Cafe in Seattle where they're playing a sold out show. And, you know, so we had all, it was like super exciting. You know, I'm a huge fan of Rolling Stone magazine. It's just like a dream come true. We're going to have like a multi page spread. It's a huge opportunity. And so we get um, on the phone and talking with the stylist and the foot photo director. and all right, yeah, well, what are you all about? Yeah, well, we like to wear, like, at that time, like, shark skin suits, like, polyester s- <laughs> suits and, like, you know, cool shoes. And, like, it was these, you know, it was all, it was just a thing. And all and it went with our look. And so I said, this, this is our look, you know. So then we, sh- all right, great, we got that. Then we show up at the shoot. And there's, like, you know, little did I know, the shoot's sponsored by, like, Lev- Levi's and Vans. I'm a huge fan of Levi's and Vans. <laughs> At that time, you might see me wearing some Vans right now. But, uh, oh, there, yeah. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> but, uh, but at that time for that shoot, my first time in Rolling Stone is like a, other than our, our four star record review, um, you know, this, I wanted to represent as we are. And so mm-hmm. I said, well, I did something I would never do now. I like refused to wear the clothes. I, I just said, well, I'm not wearing that. We, we talked about, I'm not wearing jeans and a flannel shirt and some skate skateboard shoes. Like I skateboard, but this is about my music. So I, we said, we're not going to wear it. So then we end up saying, all right, well, there's a huge thing now. And then, uh, well, can you wear one item and then one item a year? So then we ended up wearing like, you know, a polyester shirt with a pair of jeans. It didn't work. Uh, you know what I mean? So the shoot didn't run. I swear to God, we were blacklisted from Rolling Stone. We only had one other piece in it ever since then, and like a couple reviews wow. that weren't great. So I don't know if we were blacklisted, but we certainly weren't. Didn't become their one of their favorites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was an example of like. So you you learned the game, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a huge mistake. Like I should have shut the fuck up and put on jeans and been in Rolling Stone. And there's a lot of others. There's. Uh, you know, I remember Philip Morris one time said, you know, we want to use your son cold beverage in a commercial in Eastern Europe. I've never even been to Eastern Europe still. I've been to Czech. <laughs> I've been to B- B- Birno. That's as far east. Um, and I said, yeah, well, you know, I was, well, cancer, Philip Morris. Fuck that. I said, we'll do it for a million bucks. Never, never heard about it. I, said, I don't know. We probably could have got a couple hundred thousand dollars. There's a lot of mistakes we made, a lot of opportunities we missed because here's another one. Bring up Eddie Murphy again. 
in Dr. Doolittle 2, we were supposed to be the house band. And for some reason, even though I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan, that seemed like the corniest thing ever. So I said, I'm not doing that. Uh, the Black Crows <laughs> asked us to, when the Black Crows were at like their peak, they asked us to open their summer tour. I said, no, yeah. because I don't want to open up for anyone. Because I'm G-Love. I don't open up for someone. Fuck that. Right. You know, so these, uh, these are some mistakes that I made that, that I... I honestly wish I could take back, but I can't, and I'm still sure. here, so fuck it. Sure. <laughs> right, yeah. Lessons, life experience. So to that end, I think I've heard you say, like, now you say yes to a lot of stuff. Now you're like, just opportunity brings opportunity. Is that the, is that the mentality? Yeah, I mean, um, one of my mottos is always take the gig. And generally, and then my other motto is just like, you know, if you ask me, I'm going to say yes. And I'd say yes to everything, like... I, you know, I do this cameo app and like some kid hit me on cameo and said, Hey, you know, he DM me on Instagram. Hey, it got cut off at the end. Can you, you know, send it to me DM? All right, cool. I'll send it to him DM. And then he goes, Oh, it's, it's not saving. I can't send it to my buddy. Can, will you text it to me? I don't know. This guy's like, Oh, fuck. I'll text the guy. Cause another guy's like, Oh, I got G's now. You're too man. nice, man. But yeah, yeah. I, I generally was, I, I generally like, you know, if there's interest in me, I'm interested in, in working, you know, with you and, and any, you know, so, uh, yeah, the answer is, I think it's Yes Man, like the Jim Carrey movie. The, the movie where where yeah. can that take you? You know, like, why say no? Because especially when a gig is concerned, like, well, my manager would say, why the fuck are you taking this gig? Well, I don't know. This is this you're you're worth more than this. Well, guess what? I don't know who's going to be at that gig. Maybe Christian Lane's going to be at the gig and it's going to, you know, Book mm -hmm. me to do a podcast or something. I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to. Maybe Katie <laughs> Thomas is going to be there and with the radio voice. I don't know. <laughs> fun, fun. So always take the well, gig. Cool. You know? Always take the gig. Yeah, no, I agree. It's It's been our mentality as well. For the most part, it's it's worked out well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's some things I wouldn't do, but, you know. Most of them would be yeah, like got their limits. <laughs> most of them be like politically motivated, or there's there's some things that like now uh, nowadays like that I'm married. I also probably like if someone said, "Hey, G, can you come play? You know, my bachelor party. Uh, you know, no wives allowed. Um, right. You know, I don't know if my wife Kelsey would be like." No, you're not gonna be playing that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, the money's yeah, really you good. You gotta figure battles. <laughs> <laughs> the money's really good. Well, I don't know. So I've got a series of uh, kind of uh, a bit binary questions, and I, I understand I, I'm not a fan of binary questions, but I'm gonna ask them anyways. Um, and just a quick answer, kind of <laughs> like a lightning round thing, okay. speed round. Okay. Baby's got sauce or cold beverage? Uh, <laughs> baby's got sauce. Uh, commercial success or critical success? Uh, critical success. West Coast rap, East Coast hip hop. East Coast hip hop. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Love to win or hate to lose? Love to win. Uh, paper or plastic? Paper. Mountains or the beach? The beach. I knew. Uh, yeah, I know this one. Vans or Converse? Oh. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess bands. <laughs> I like them both. So Garrett, what's next? What are you working on? Uh, right now, you know, um, I, I'm planning on possibly cutting a new Christmas record this fall. G loves coming home All for right. G loves coming home for Christmas volume two. Uh, Do it. We're going to buy it. My <laughs> wife loves Christmas albums. Yes. My first one has become a tradition amongst many people. Uh, and, uh, interested to see what happens with this new unit g love the juice um and kind of we're going to be doing regional shows and um yeah like i said possibly starting to work on another g love record and hope and in in pursuit of the my first grammy nomination with g love the juice my current record which was produced by a four-time grammy award winner Keb, Keb Mo. Yep. So this is um, something that we're trying to keep very relevant, like just keeping our record going. And otherwise, just to continue to make great music. And my ultimate you know, goal is to you know, make people happy and to inspire people and just keep spreading love 
Um, I plan to use my musical platform to be as active as I can um, before the election to try to get people motivated, my fans to vote. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then just kind of uh, be, be a great father and a family man and, and be, you know, give a lot of love and dedication to, to my little sphere here. Um, yeah. And uh, if people want to find more about me, they can go Instagram at Philly G Love at Philly Glove, G Love and Special Sauce on Facebook at G Love on Twitter, and um, and that's that, man. So thank you very much. Philadelphonic. Oh yeah, Phil- Philadelphonic.com <laughs> is uh, our our homepage. So yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, Garrett, thank you. I'm really looking forward to these podcasts we've got coming up. Uh, thanks for your music, your inspiration, your message, uh, your positivity. And yeah, looking forward to these podcasts coming up. We've got Me too. quite a few lined up already. Yeah. It should be fun. We're going to co-host together. Yeah. Um, all, all unrehearsed. So we'll see how they go. <laughs> well, that's the beauty um, of it, right? But- I mean, that's... I mean, like I told you, you could have just asked me one question or just said hello, and I would have just blabbered on for a, a whole hour. So I imagine many of our guests are also uh, completely in, infatuated with themselves as well. <laughs> yeah, no, great, great people. You know, amazing work. Uh, you know, to that end, uh, we've got amazing things coming up. We've got Lisa Atkins, How Agile Can Help Us Solve Digital Societal and Personal Challenges. Uh, Carrie Hoyt Pack, How Evolved Leadership Brings Digitally Connected Voices Together. Kev Mo, how music and social activism in a digital world can supercharge us, and uh, and more to follow. So thanks so much, Garrett. Appreciate you, man. We'll see. Uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you, Christian. Stay disruptive. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Victor Vargas is our art director and engineer, and I'm Katie Thomas. I produce the Digital Transformationists podcast for Precipio Consulting. Precipio Consulting is a full-service digital transformation consulting firm helping businesses large and small build and scale for what's next with the Atlassian product suite and best-in-class frameworks. More about Precipio Consulting at precipio.com slash podcast. <laughs>